growing up was tough uh, i was raised by a single mother uh, was a teen mother at that time because my mom gave birth to me when she was 16 so she had to drop out of uh, senior high school then to take care of me this is nicholas a young doctor from the west african nation of ghana here he recounts the difficulties he faced growing up as the son of a hard-working single mother there was no father you know it was hard it was tough and financial challenges um Paying school fees was tough, especially when I got into medical school. By medical school, the fees was quite huge. They have to find ways to pay the fees. The time that I almost lost hope was when I entered medical school. Going into second year, I'd given up. I thought I would not really complete the medical school because at that time, my mother's my, my mother's job was at collapse. But I don't know what happened. But God made a way. And then I was able to go through till I finished. It's still a miracle to me how I managed to finish medical school. But against the odds, Nicholas finished medical school and is today a doctor. He has now dedicated himself to help tackle teenage pregnancy and other related teenage health issues, making sure that no other child suffers the same difficulties he faced as a child. The whole concept is to mobilize the youth when the youth are, are the most populous in the country, on the continent. 70% of the population are below 30 years. If they're able to get them to understand basic health issues and also address some of the health issues we've been talking about, like teenage pregnancy, um, HIV AIDS, non-communicable disease, mental health issues. So that was, that was the mindset at that time. On this episode of The Climb Podcast, we tell the extraordinary story of Dr. Nicholas Menzer and how his challenging childhood empowered him to become a fierce activist for youth health and well-being in Africa. Welcome to the Climb Podcast, where we tell extraordinary stories of the African youth. I'm Nicolas Ademisa. I'm a medical doctor by profession. Uh, I was born in Ghana. I had my medical training in Ghana. Um, I've been involved in community health promotion, youth development, and then health advocacy for the past five years. Yeah, so I've, I happen to found an NGO, a non-profit called Youth Network for Health Promotion, where we mobilize young people and train them to be health promoters so they can advocate for good health. Dr. Nicholas Adier Mensa is a young doctor from the West African country of Ghana. He is the founder of Youth Network for Health Promotion, an organization dedicated to promoting good health practices among young people in Africa. Nicholas had a somewhat difficult childhood growing up as he and his single mother struggled to make ends meet. But he tells me, that this difficult experience growing up has made him the man and activist that he is today. Growing up was tough. Uh, I was raised by a single mother. Uh, I was a teen mother at that time because my mom gave birth to me when she was 16. So she had to drop out of uh, senior high school then to take care of me. Yeah, so I was raised by my teen mother and with support from my, my, my maternal mother or my maternal grandmother. 
So at that early age, I, I got measles. I almost died of measles at that time, the mid-90s. So with the help of my grandmother, who supported most of the medical bills, uh, I got better. And I went through, uh, my mother first, I was able to go through, really tried for me, I was able to go through good private schools at that age. So I finished um, junior high. It was tough. Throughout the process, it was tough. Um, financial challenges. There was no one to guide you, no one to mentor you. You just have to figure out ways to get things done. But I'll say, I'll say, um, even though I didn't have like a father figure throughout that process from being born, junior high, senior high, I, I, I mean, I got, I got an uncle who was looked, was always checking up on me trying to see how best they can help. I got aunties who were very supportive throughout. Some were paying my fees, some were supporting me with provisions. My grandmother was also very supportive, especially in the medical school time, because he was almost paying my fees. My dad was nowhere to be found. Beyond the financial difficulties he faced, Nicholas tells me he was also affected greatly by the absence of a father figure and mentor in his life. I, I did, I mean, take, I did face a lot of challenges, but primarily it was financial and then the absence of a father figure and then a mentor, as mostly until I got to almost finishing medical school. So most of my time, I had to brainstorm and find solutions for myself because there was no father. There was nobody you could, you could, you could talk to. My mom is struggling all the time, not in the house. And I stay with my grandmother. My grandmother is busy trying to find money. So when you have issues you want to discuss, there's nobody to discuss. So you just have to find ways to 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 deal with the issue. You know, so I had to like handle a lot of things that people had fathers they would run to for that days and it was all for them. And when even in medical school, my roommates and people who I was close with. I mean, their father bought them a car, everything's about their father. Was, <laughs> and then you tell not to have anybody visiting, you know, father and nothing. So it was, it was, it was a bit painful. It was a bit painful. Aside the financial, it was a bit painful. But I learned the hard way and I had to learn how to live alone, be more responsible and also try and cut down a lot of waste and save. So that's something that I, I learned the hard way, the practical way, you know, and I thank God for that experience. So it was, uh, even though it's painful, uh, but I just thank God for, for going through that experience. Initially, I used to be bitter about my dad, but now I've let it go. Just that it's just a reunion that is difficult for me to do that, but I've let it go. And um, it, it's okay. Everybody has a story and that's my story. So I've come to embrace that yes, it was meant to happen, and I had, and it it has shaped me as to who I am today, and the kind of work that I do. Nicholas's childhood did in fact shape who he has become today, and this shaping process started during his clinical years in medical school. Initially, it started when I entered clinical years. So in medical school in Ghana, we do three years of preclinical. That's more of classroom days. Then do the next three years. In the hospital so when i transitioned from the classroom base to the clinical part that's the hospital base 
and then based on my interactions with the student leaders one were non-medical students or non-health professional based and then at church i realized that there was a problem i, I was concerned because i realized that a lot of simple simple medical conditions they were not aware i mean basic reproductive health issues like your menses a lot of the female didn't know contraception they didn't know so it, it bothered me because during church and during the health team that we are set up, I mean, based on re-educating, a lot of the people come and ask questions. They come, they, they, they come and you listen to them, this thing could have been avoided, this thing could have been avoided. And it was because they didn't know. And I realized that it was common, it was a common thing. A lot of the university students didn't know. Basic, 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 family planning, contraception, like it was, it was zero. They had little little knowledge on it and i was sure like wow i i thought at their level they should be able to be in google or research i'll just give an example the one that even touched my heart was one it was in a church um so she had a boyfriend who was also a child of a pastor somewhere and they were in a relationship and the guy was forcing the lady to be on a contraceptive uh we call it intrauterine device iud and the guy had, was forcing the lady and the lady was frustrated and then he was directed to me that time as the head of the health committee to listen and find a way and help the lady somebody referred and she came so after the having discussion i was like ah it's affecting the lady the lady is actually going through depression because the pressure from the guy who was not a student was too much it's affecting his studies it's affecting his psychological state, it's affecting his, his personal relationship with his roommates and everybody. And I, and because she didn't know, and I was shocked, she didn't know how you could have just Google, you know. So that was when I said, wow, how do we get young people, because we're, we're all youth, how do we get them to understand some of these basic productive health issues? Aside reproductive health issues, mental health issues, aside mental health issues, issues that affect their their well-being. How do we get them to understand? So that was when the whole inspiration came from. According to UNICEF, every year, an estimated 1.1 million young people across the world die as a consequence of a lack of information surrounding issues of teenage pregnancy, abortions, sexually transmitted diseases, mental health struggles, among others. So with a resolve to contribute towards turning this troubling tide, in 2017, Nicholas started the process of launching his organization, the Youth Network for Health Promotion. So we started somewhere in 2017, when I set up the health team just to provide the education. And then when I was about to finish medical school, COVID came in. And then after COVID, during the COVID time, I started to put up a team and they reformed the youth network for health promotion. The whole concept is to mobilize the youth. One, the youth were are, are, are the most populous in the country, on the continent. 70% of the population are below 30 years. In Ghana, about 70% of the population are below 35 years. So if they're able to get them to understand basic health issues, one, it, it was good 
because you can use the health as, as a means to empower them in other areas and also address some of the health issues we've been talking about, like teenage pregnancy, um, HIV AIDS, non-communicable disease, mental health issues. So that was that was the mindset at that time. I mean, just to provide education to transitioning into an NGO that will address some of the physical health-related issues affecting young people and to use that one to empower them. Yes. So, so that was the, the starting point and then where we are now. Since 2017, the Youth Network for Health Promotion has continued to grow, expanding its reach to schools and remote communities across Ghana. I asked Nicholas how the experience has been so far. The, the experience has been a mixed feeling. There's been a good, the good, the good part, and there's been a part where sometimes you're heartbroken. But generally, it's been a good. It's been it's been good. It's been excellent, generally, because um, through Youth Network for Health Promotion, we've mentored a lot of a lot of young people. We've made health education, health advocacy, health promotion more easier to understand and you, the youth are embracing it. I mean, one of the things that we've done and one of the things that we do is we do we do um, a pre-tertiary mentorship tour where we use the opportunity to bring together the young ladies and the young boys go through sexual reproductive health issues as well as a mentorship. So we've done that since 2022. 2022 we, did, we did about three schools, three senior schools, Two in Accra and then one in the eastern region of Ghana. Yeah, so it's, it's overall it's been it's been fantastic because through Youth Network for Health Promotion, I've been recognized for a, a, a number of things. Our organization has been invited for international programs, local programs. We have we're only we're the only youth organization involved in planning and developing a guideline for health promotion in the country, and also in a guideline policy on how to tackle misinformation and misinformation in the country. We're the only youth partner involved in such 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 consultation. So it's been wonderful. It's been it's been good. It's been tight. And we hope that this year our focus is on sexual and productive health issues, tackling teenage pregnancy, HIV, because HIV is on the rise in Ghana. A lot of young people are getting HIV because of the lifestyle change and then risky lifestyle changes that's going on and then two teenage pregnancies also on the rise that we intend to address especially for this year through our pre-tertiary mentorship tour and our community engagement so at the areas where hiv is on the rise and then teenage pregnancy is on the rise and then develop a plan like a, a project there's a project we have for to address the pregnancy i'm sure we roll it out later in the year as awesome and impactful as the work nicholas and his team have been doing there have nevertheless been a lot of challenges and nicholas tells me about some of them the challenge has been funding you know we do most of the things we do with our own personal funds Yes, except those partnership, then we partner, we get a partner institution giving you some fund and then you top up with the, with the rest. And then some partners also sponsor maybe your transportation and other things. But mobilizing the team 
it's, it's not easy because when you have to organize like retreats, it comes with personal funding. When you have to keep the the team running, it's personal funding. There's no like a big fund somewhere. We pull our resources together and get and and get it done. Despite the challenges, Nicholas still has grand and lofty ambitions for the Youth Network for Health Promotion. He tells me about some of these plans. The the plan is huge. Uh, first and foremost, is the focus is, is on continental base because there are young people across the continent. So how do you mobilize young people in Nigeria? How do you mobilize young people in Guinea, young people in Zambia, young people in South Africa to be able to be trained on health, for them to understand health and advocate for health? So we don't limit our our mobilizing to just people within the health sector because you can be a lawyer and understand what goes into reproductive health. And then when you're making laws or when you're advocating certain laws, it's able to address issues that affect young girls, that affect women. You know, if you are a banker, you're able to understand what the issues that affect elderly people, issues that affect so that I mean so it's mobilizing youth of of all professionals, you know, in the continent to form like a, a Pan African youth network for health promotion. So set up like branches in various African countries. And then also to organize like a, a yearly conference where young people on the continent who are doing wonderful advocacy work in health and youth mobilization to meet and then discuss the health issues affecting the continent and how you can mobilize the youth at a various region, regional level, continental level to address the issues. It's not just about talking, it's about what can be done and what needs to be done at, at the at the local and community-based level. So that is what we intend to do. So setting up branches across the various countries on the continent and then do, doing a yearly youth conference on youth promoters on and health across um, on the continent every year. We'll move it to, I mean, if this year Ghana hosts the next year, Nigeria can host the next year, South Africa can host. So that is something that we look forward to doing in the coming future. Difficulty, they say, is an unavoidable part of life. But what matters at the end are the lessons we learn and the actions we take following these difficulties. For Nicholas, the lessons from his difficult childhood have made him an impactful campaigner and advocate for youth health and well-being. He has committed himself to ensure that one less child goes through the difficulties that he faced. What could be more inspiring? Before ending our interview, I asked Nicholas what he would say to other young people who, like him, are currently facing challenges as they strive for a better future. I would say that challenges are part of life. Um, we all have a different and unique story, and our challenges are also unique and different. Uh, I would say that I'm a, I'm a uh, Bible-believing Christian, so uh, I believe in God, I believe in the Bible. And I will say that you know, before you are even born, God had a purpose for you, God knew you. So definitely everybody has a potential, has a purpose that must be lived. As you are on this earth, there will be challenges, it's normal, okay? But what you need to do is to have the right mindset that these challenges shall pass. 
we shall overcome those challenges. I mean, so in your mind, don't give up. Embrace the challenges. If it's beyond you, speak to somebody. Speak to somebody you can you look up to. Speak to somebody you can trust to guide you. But have the mindset that these challenges are temporary and you shall overcome. And then don't ever belittle yourself. I mean, believe in yourself because you have all it takes to do whatever you have to do. One thing that, I mean, it pains me and I look back and I ask myself, like, ah, I made, like, financial challenges prevent me from doing certain things when I was in medical school. Because there were certain leadership roles I would have taken up. I didn't because I felt I didn't have money. And those positions requires a lot of money to fund. You know? So believe in yourself. I mean, there will be challenges, financial challenges, uh, difficulties there and there. But focus on your vision. This is where I want to get to. I mean, rely on God if you are a Christian. Rely on Allah if you are a Muslim. Identify people who genuinely care about you and want to help you, want to support you. And then whatever you do, give out your best. Save. Save without thinking about money or recognition. Just do your part. And be good to people. And with time, goodness will come to you. You know, I've, I've, I've benefited from people. Because I, I, I selflessly give myself. I don't have money, but I have my time. I have my listening ears. I will listen to you. And those people have taken, have taken care of me. People I don't know have taken care of me. They've held my hands and took care of me. You know, so believe in yourself. Don't give up. Embrace that challenges will come. But you have been given the power and the strength to overcome them. Genuinely care about people. Look out for people. And then... Identify people who genuinely also care about you, who are willing to help you and believe so much in you. And then work hard. Don't be greedy. I mean, do your best with whatever that you have. Be focused and then God will be the rest. So that's why I would tell anybody who's going through challenges now that do not give up. Challenges are part of life. But remain focused and believe in yourself and get the team, the right people who will help you. So that would be my last message for young people who are going through difficult times. That it is well. They shouldn't give up. This episode of the Climb Podcast was hosted and edited by Jewel Atado Bright. Special thanks to Dr. Nicholas Adier Mensa for allowing us to tell his story. The Climb Podcast is a podcast collaboration between the Channels Media Group and the Ferrozology Institute for Africa at the London School of Economics and Political Science. Thank you for listening.